What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time checking out the show, welcome aboard. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can go ahead and click subscribe on iTunes. Give the podcast five stars if you're digging it and you feel like it is deserving of so. And then just say a few nice words. And all three of those things are, are a huge cr- contribution to uh, helping support this podcast and boosting it into the tops of the iTunes charts so uh, more strangers find the podcast. It gives it more visibility across the board and will give more exposure for the folks that come on the podcast and is just great for, uh, you know, overall, for everyone involved. So please take the next step in supporting this podcast and then hit the subscribe button click the five stars you don't have to say a lot a few nice words you know like hey i checked out the episode with may really dug it and uh that's it that's all you have to do you can also check out the dan cable presents youtube channel which features a bunch of in-studio performances live show performances a short documentary and soon to be we'll have some fresh vids coming at you from the doug fur filming that I did back in November with Autonomics and Gold Casio and Strange Hotels. All of those people have been on the podcast in the past. So, you know, maybe travel back, check out a few of those. You can hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well. And then you will get a notification about those new uh, new uh, videos hitting the feed. And uh, yeah, man, stoked to be back at it again. Another rad episode is in store hope you enjoyed last week's episode for everybody that checked out the gabe fleck episode that was definitely one of my favorites that i have done that was just such a a killer conversation that i enjoyed quite a bit and uh got a big show coming up with gabe if you're listening to this on release day january 18th gabe fleck is headlining a dan cable presents show over at mississippi pizza pub it's going to be a rad show with uh cloud lines and stephanie kitson it's a seven dollar cover and uh hope to see some of your faces out there i'm uh i'm pretty stoked for this one this is kind of the first official dan cable presents billing of the year but uh also got tons of great music going on at the library at Growler's Tap Room, which is the uh, the new venue here in Portland that I am booking. Sweet basement vibe, house show vibes with a great sound system. And uh, it's been a lot of fun the first couple weeks. It's been great. So some, some, some great shows have happened and uh, plenty of coming at you most Fridays some Saturdays we're peppering in so uh, it looks like we're going to be able to open up the calendar a little bit more for those Saturday night dates but uh, the next show that is going on there is January 25th Friday January 25th lineup Super Ocean who is formerly Castles Castles came on this this podcast way early uh, maybe like episode 13 or something they were definitely in that first 20 episodes, but uh, they are now called Super Ocean, and uh, I'm really, really excited about the new new tunes that they're putting out. Um, but yeah, Super Ocean, Stoner Control, who I've featured a track from in the past, very, very cool band, and uh, Debbie Metal is closing out that one. Debbie Metal features a couple, uh, a couple of the folks from those from the autonomics so that should be a really awesome show kind of an indie rock um post-rock night of music that that evening of january 25th 
And then on February 1st, got a really killer night of jazz and funk. Um, Frank Irwin Quintet is uh, opening that show up. I just saw them recently for the first time last week, and uh, it blew my mind. Amazing musicians in that band. And uh, my homie Chris Frank is uh, the band leader on that one. So Frank Irwin Quintet and then Dove Driver who is this really rad funk fusion band. And I've had their band leader on the show in the past, uh, Teddy Pressburg of Pig War. So if you want to travel back in time and check out that episode, that was an awesome chat with Teddy. So I'm stoked for those. And then uh, a hip-hop night. If you're looking for some some rad hip-hop to check out, we've got February 8th. It's uh, Mal London, who's been on the podcast before. But he is playing with his band Butter, so that's going to be rad. So Mal Lundering, Mal London, rather featuring Butter, uh, research and development, Dusty Fox and Rufus doing their thing, and uh, Empress is opening that night. So those are like the uh, the few weeks ahead going on at the library, and uh, I will definitely keep you posted on uh, on more of that action. Until then, you know, refer to my my Instagram where I actively promote these things. It's at Dan Cable Presents, at Dan Cable on Twitter. And uh, if you want to join the Facebook Dumpster Fire, you can do that. Uh, Give the Dan Cable Presents page a like. And there's also a... uh, the library at Growler's Tap Room. There's a a page for that now. So I will include the link in those episode notes. But anyhow... Moving on to this episode, episode 145 is what uh, is in store for you this week. This uh, this episode is with the band May, and some of you may, see what I did there? Shouldn't have, it was terrible. Um, but some of you, uh, you might, might recognize this band name or be familiar with this band. They were definitely a part of that early 2000s um, kind of pop punk emo scene, I would say. I mean, personally, I would put them more in a category of bands like Jimmy Eat World and maybe like Amberlin, more along that vibe, opposed to like a starting line or newfound glory or things of that nature. But they were definitely um, in that realm of bands. And um, I saw this band play i I talked to them about this in the beginning of the podcast but yeah i saw them like 15 years ago in hollywood and um so it was a pretty uh it was a pretty rad thing when i got the email to have the opportunity to to chat it up with these guys and i definitely want to thank kirsten from big picture media for uh for hitting me with the opportunity and uh, their tour manager chris who was also just uh super nice both those people were were great with communication on, on making this happen and i was incredibly stoked to get to hang with them at the doug fur while they were traveling through portland um yeah man just this is just like a wild experience and and i'm incredibly grateful that i keep having kind of these surreal moments where I'm I'm sitting in a room with a band that I have listened to for a long time and and have a lot of respect for their tunes and and all of a sudden I'm I'm just sitting in a room having the opportunity to to chat it up with them not just get to see them play music but to have the opportunity to kind of have this connection and and find out where the tunes come from and and they were just an incredibly nice group of dudes uh jacob and zach and dave and uh it was cool man jacob their their drummer before we even got started it was uh he he was just kind of asking me about about the podcast and and why i started doing this and i was just talking to him about uh that i just think it's great to kind of have this opportunity to sit down with people and and see um what kind of lies beneath the uh their artistic expression i guess and what lies beneath the tunes and and kind of have this opportunity to connect with them on that level so that when i listen to the music and hopefully when when others listen to the music they have a little bit more to attach themselves to you know and uh 
that was definitely kind of my experience with this. I got to to hang with the band before they took the stage over there at the Doug Fur, and then it was just so cool watching their set after, kind of knowing that that I got to to learn a little bit more about where this music comes from and and kind of where the band lies now. So I just really appreciate these guys taking the time to to sit down with me and like i said just kind of a another surreal experience and i think uh i think 19 year old me would be uh really stoked about what i am doing with my life and and the opportunities i continue to kind of create for myself by by putting myself out there with this thing and and just kind of continuing to push forward with it and see how far I can um kind of push the boundaries and what other opportunities I can forge from it so I'm 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 really stoked man and and spirits have been just ultra high lately and um it's been it's been very cool and I'm just really excited about all of the things that I've kind of got cooking right now and all the people that seem to be supporting that and and the people that kind of continue to reach out to me as a person to to help them either like make things happen or or to consult with me it, it's it's wild that people are, are hitting sometimes contact me to consult with me about an idea and i feel very fortunate that uh that people are are thinking of me in that capacity i guess so much love to uh, to all the supporters out there and, and all the folks that continue to uh, encourage me to push forward with this thing. And uh, yeah, man, stoked to, stoked to share this conversation. I will tell you, we were on a bit of a time constraint. We got started a little bit later than anticipated and, um, and the band had to, you know, they had to go out there and do their thing. So this is a, definitely one of the shorter conversations, about 30 minutes. So for all you May like nerds and like heavy, heavy fans, we did not quite get to go into deep, deep detail, you know, about the, the history or like certain records as I maybe would have liked to. But I am I am thankful that that the conversation that we did have seemed to trigger some very like important things and uh some foundation for what this this band is about and and what they're um you know what they're about now and and kind of uh how they're reintroducing themselves with uh this new record that they put out which is it's kind of a self-titled record it's the the multi-sensory aesthetic experience which is what may stands for and it's the first first record that they've kind of put out under that name and that's their their new full length which is available on all the streaming platforms and whatnot and uh so we so we did touch on some things that like it really seemed to move the conversation in, in some great places and it was it was really great to get to hear um, them, them sort of like reflecting on, on what this experience is like now opposed to when they started this band maybe 20 years ago or so. But uh, nonetheless, killer conversation. Uh, incredibly grateful for the time I did get to hang with them. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe I get to hang out in the future and we get to we get to uh, maybe discuss some of these unanswered questions that I that I didn't get to quite dive into, but uh, I had just a, a great time hanging out with them. And then, man, the live show that they put on is is so cool, and they definitely seem to play a little bit of everything from the catalog, which is uh, nice and and something that uh, something we talked about. But um, yeah, they have a bunch of records available to check out on on all the streaming services so not not only the the new record that they just put out but but travel back if you dig what you hear on this episode and you're not super familiar with this band and in this uh this style of music is your jam i would definitely say there's some some tunes you are missing out on if you have not been through it and uh we're gonna kick it off with one of these kind of throwback jams. This is off their their 2003 record, which was kind of their introduction to the to the world. This is uh, off of the the Destination Beautiful record, and uh, we're getting it going. This is episode 145, everybody. 
with May. Super pumped to get into it. And uh, this is one of my favorite tracks from this band. It's called All Deliberate Speed. Let's get into it.
sitting down here at the Doug Fur with May. Super pumped to sit down with y'all and, and, and talk some tunes, talk about this new record that you just put out, as well as uh, catch up on some history. I just want to preface the conversation with letting you guys know that, that 15 years ago, um, 2003, 2004, you guys were out on tour with RX Bandits and something corporate. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first time that I was made aware of the band May. I saw you guys at the Palladium there in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. That was my, that was my so entry fun. point to this band <laughs> and uh, discovered your records through that and, and a lot of cool tunes. So I was incredibly pumped to get this email that, that asked me if I want to talk to this band May. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I want to wow. talk to these guys. Like, I know who that is. I'm like, let's <laughs> fucking do it. So, um, hold on real quick. Can I tell you a small world story? So Matt from RX bandits is now playing, uh, in the band dispatch. Really? Yeah. So Brad from dispatch is a friend, the drummer and singer. And so I went to see them play and I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? And then come to find out <laughs> it was Matt from RX bandits and we totally connected. It was really Hadn't seen him since that tour. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah. yeah, I was there to see something corporate there. Andrew McMahon is like my yeah. favorite singer-songwriter. So um, I was there for that and got exposed to you guys. But you've been doing this a long time now. Yes. Close to uh, 20, 20 years or so. That was creeping in 2004. Up on? Was it in 2003? Yeah. Did, we, did we decide? Oh, 304, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. Now it's 2019. So we're looking wow. at it. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah is that... Uh, is that kind of mind-blowing for you guys to to comprehend that you've been doing it for this long? Because, I mean, Jacob, you and Dave initially started the band. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and Zach's been around since 2003, Three, right? Yeah. So pretty much since the beginning as well. So, yeah, what is what is that experience like for you guys? To I was just thinking, I mean, you played, we played Sun at the VIP. You wrote that song in what? 2002. One, 2002 tops. So just imagining who you were then <laughs> versus who you are now. And somehow that song is still um, a part of our, a frequent, it's in our set frequently and people still react really strongly to it. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think of music in a way like time capsules almost. And the way that a certain song can take you immediately back to a moment in your life and it just kind of holds that in those sound waves is, is really magical. And I think one of the most enjoyable things about being in a band at this point in life, and we talk about this all the time, is just like being at a show and hearing people come up and share their stories of what these songs have meant to them. Because we know what they've meant to us, but to hear that kind of feedback and, and how it really becomes a part of somebody's story, so special. Yeah, absolutely. Is um, can that kind of change the meaning of the song for you? Hearing other people's stories about how it's impacted yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times people ask me what the song means to me, and I, over the years, have decided um, more often than not not to share. And it's not because I'm not wanting to be personal. It's more because I don't want to influence the song for somebody who's already got an interpretation that they believe in. Um, there are plenty of songs that I love um, by some of my favorite artists, songwriters, and those those songs are are very special and you know provide soundtrack for my life or my journey. And so if if I've interpreted a certain way and it's helped me kind of deal with the situation or it's helped me kind of mourn a loss or whatever it might be, if if the songwriter came to me and said, "Well, actually, Dave, that's not what the song's about at all," I might be forced to let go of the meaning that I held. And so. Um, as soon as somebody tells me what a song means to them, even in the back of my mind, I might know that's not what my intention was. You know, when we when we re when we release these songs, they become everybody else's, and it's our duty to learn how to play them well. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and and yet, if somebody wants to really know uh, where I was coming from when I wrote it, I would I would love to share. But uh, these songs are everyone's now, so it's it's a it's um, a point that we make to let that be the story that kind of ripples out and goes further. And, um, and so far, that's been a good decision. It's, uh, I was just reading this, um, that Jeff Tweedy book that came out recently, and he talks about, um, he pushes back on this idea of, of, of trying to find out 
I guess he, he doesn't understand the want for people to kind of find out what the song is about uh, for listeners or for him as a, as a music fan. So it just kind of mirrors this idea of, of songs that become autonomous um, once they're kind of put out there, right? So he's just talking about even his own uh, approach to lyric writing would be just be honestly like almost verbal exercises. So we hear these Wilco songs and he tells in the book, I mean, he, you know, some of those songs are just, he doesn't, they're not about anything, right? <clears throat> um, maybe some like snapshots here and there or something, but ultimately there's no really narrative that holds down the songs. But when we hear these songs, and I'm a huge Wilco fan, and fans of any type of uh, any music, when you hear these songs, it ultimately doesn't matter what the song is about. For, for, for people it does, and that's cool, I understand that, but um, this idea of, of songs entering into someone's life and then the meaning is created, right? The meaning doesn't come from the, the, in, the intent of the artist. That's not to undermine the artist and uh, process at all, but that's kind of how songs live between fan and the person who wrote the song is really interesting and how songs assume meaning and the meanings are assigned. Um, they don't depend on a truth uh, regarding the song at all. It's just kind of like, okay, well, here's some words and your life's going to fill in the blanks kind of thing. And so that's what we see happening. Um, with a lot of the May songs, and that kind of fuels the songs on more, gives them more life, new life over and over again. So when you play a song like Sun that's this many years old, the song is like not Sun from then, it's Sun from a few months ago or last year or something like that. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was also just, I think about Eddie Vedder talking about yes. uh, Alive. Alive, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and how that yeah. song was like a very intense, sad song for him to like be processing the death of his, his father that he never knew and what not. And then to hear 15, 20,000 people sing it along with him, it became this like it's huge like a, thing of positivity. Yeah. An affirming claim. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, always, oh, I love that story. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's so killer. It just kind of reshaped it, what that song was and... and definitely dig that um as far as playing older songs is it is it a mix between knowing that some some longtime fans are coming out to see these shows and you want to serve that part of the crowd too or, or is it only picking the older songs that still resonate in some way for you guys there aren't too many songs in our catalog that are off the table i think that um each each tour brings um you know a set list that includes the the quote unquote may staples and so the songs that over the years we recognize that people kind of sing the most or sing the loudest kind of thing those are the ones we want to make sure we don't take off the set list because we don't want to deprive people of coming to a may show and you know not hearing the song that they expected to hear um at the same time you know we want to play songs that connect with us. And so what we've been doing on, on this tour is sort of just kind of picking all of the fan favorites and our favorites from four different albums. And um, we had to, we're playing a set tonight that includes three less songs than last night's set because we were a little too excited about playing music and we played like a two hour set that ended at 1am last night we had fun but it was we had a blast (laughs) and the people that were there had a blast and um and and may uh in general can be a little long-winded so on our sets we can we can do that too as as a result of last night we realized but um uh i think that we're really excited about the new album so our tendency is to try to play as many songs that are, you know, the ones that we wrote and recorded very recently. Um, but then again, like, uh, like Zach was saying, a song like sun, which is off of our first record destination, beautiful, and is 16 years old. Um, that one, you know, shows up all the time. A song like embers and envelopes from the same album shows up all the time. Um, et cetera. So, um, I think it's just, you know, kind of refamiliarizing ourselves with the songs, with the meanings of the songs, with the connection that we have with our audience and remembering, oh yeah, well, I remember this guy in Detroit who like really kind of taught me something new about this time is the last time and I want to play that again with a new meaning or, you know, just kind of a, a new purpose for it. And so, you know, the nice thing is 
since we don't do this as often as we did years and years ago, um, each show is all the more special because um, when we were 20, 21, we were just going to keep touring and keep touring. And now it's like every time a, a tour ends, we kind of don't know when the next one will uh, be happening. And so I think it's just as important that we serve our audience and we serve ourselves um, because we really enjoy playing May music. So we want to make sure we're playing the songs that kind of resonate with us the most. Yeah. Do you, you think also that's just a thing that has come of age, just the appreciation for this opportunity to kind of get to play music all over the place and connect with these different people? Yes. I think that when I was younger, um, my motivations were different. My in- intentions were different. And now um, just just wanting to tr- try to be present because these moments, they happen so quickly. You know, if I think back in time, I won't remember how well I played Embers and Envelopes in 2006 in Portland, Oregon. You know, I'll remember that person I talked to in Portland. And um, I'll remember that coffee shop that we all went to before the show. And um, I'll remember... You know, that party we went to the day after on our off day or something. And so now that we're on tour again, I think it's it's quickly about focusing on the set list and making sure that we're rehearsing and, and knowing our parts. And then it's just like, well, what opportunities are going to be there waiting for us when we get there? What people will we get to meet? And what conversations will we get to have? And what will people tell us when they talk to us? And And those are the moments that stick and connect and last years and years later where again I, I don't remember if I played embers and envelopes that well last night in Seattle even you know what I mean it's mm. just sort of I'm, I'm certain that I, I, I did okay I'm certain that I think it was maybe okay <laughs> no disclaimers but here's my disclaimer um, yeah just just really um, as we get older um, I realize for me that um, it's about the connection that we get to have with other humans on the planet through our music so if um, that goes back to if someone requests a song you know and you, you hear why it might be a song that like we're not interested in playing but if someone says you know oh this this song particularly helped me like like talk myself out of a suicidal situation I was in and, and help me connect with, with my friends and my family. It's like, well, I want to figure out how to play that song if I forgot, you know? And so, um, that's sort of like, uh, for me and I, I'm sure for all of us, like one of the, the main motivations to picking songs after all these years and trying to remain present and trying to connect with people, um, as we hit the road and play a lot. It's weird to, um, this kind of line between performance um, and the sense of wanting to perform as, as well as you can, um, both, you know, as someone who, or as, as a group of individuals who identify in some sense through this kind of form, right? So we want to play our best, but also give people what essentially to be crudely economic, like this kind of what they paid for, like they paid to come to, so we want to meet them where they want to be met. Um, but at the same time, music has such a social function, and that kind of blurs the water. Blurs the water. It doesn't make any sense. It blurs the lines <laughs> um, and, uh, for touring because for us, our day is entirely social. Like everything we do, um, the actual performance is the. It's strange. It's like the shortest part of our day in one sense. Um, and so to Dave's point, like yeah, we can't really, you know, think about last night. This is like, well, what happened like it's almost like a reset every day the things that are continuous actually are the are the social situations the social the memories of like oh remember last time we were here we got to do this and when this place let's go here because it was so good and so much fun and so the actual performance is like this sits in this weird space of it can just great you because you want to do the as best you can in the moment you get really upset if you mess up blah 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 but then you feel silly hours later because you're just you're talking with people who didn't even Un- recognize that nar- a mistake happened. They don't care. You forget to what it's what it's like to be a person who goes to see a band play because you're wanting to. Is, yeah, you're sitting in this weird space of the fact that music is social, but also we're here to play music. And um, so after all this time, so to do it now, um, the task for me is to kind of distill the moments that I want to kind of. Um, remember uh, it's all such a blur it's always such kind of a weird thing to leave because we're home and we have these routines and we have our loved ones and you know oh we have to go on tour again and like 
everything is so much work leading up to leaving. You know, it's like a chaotic kind of just like thing where is this done, is this done, is this done, what can I do? And we're all in different parts of the country. So it's like, oh, well, how do we get this done, blah, blah, blah. And then you're out here and it's so much fun. We're here and it's great. Um, so it's just kind of weird to navigate all of um, the tasks versus all of the meaning. Um, and now that we're all in our, you know, mid to late 30s. Uh, I'm 21. <laughs> um, it's it's you're younger than me, Dave. God damn. <laughs> yeah, the, the values <laughs> the value scale is radically different than it was when we were in our 20s. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. I mean, even for me as a music listener and and the way I go about my appreciation for things has definitely changed. So I would just imagine that it's. Do you think it's more fun because of that? Because you have found the what is really meaningful? I don't know if fun's the right word. I I think um, the focus on trying to distill moments of meaning and finding the value. Um, I don't know. It's like my when for me personally, I can't speak to Jacob and Dave or the guys on the road with this, but um, you know, my mind's never really relaxed because. I want uh, to take advantage of what's going on. Um, I don't want to take it for granted. Um, the fact that I'm out here and, and I'm still able to play shows for people, it's kind of crazy. If you just think about it for a few minutes, you realize how insane it is. Just like think about for a few minutes, the fact that, you know, look, we're a modest band that we can go and still play shows at a venue that's as rad as the Doug for Lounge. You know, we're not playing, was it the Roseland here? Um, is it not a big venue? Yeah, it's a it's a bigger room. A bigger room. So, like, you have this thing where, you know, your mind's just going through all these scales of, of size and um, should we do it? You know, what's going on? It, it's just a race. My mind's racing all the time. And so fun's not the right word. Um, but valuing what's happening um can manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, so maybe I'm in a bad mood, but I'm, I don't necessarily want to be anywhere else, you know? So it's kind of a weird dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jacob, how did, how did you and Dave end up in a, in a room playing music together originally? We met each other on New Year's Eve of 1999 into 2000. And it was just like magic. Um, we were at a friend's house, actually, like a, a, there's a family that a bunch of our friends all kind of orbited around when we were in college and they would run a big beach house and like 30 people would show up and, and hang out for new years. And this particular new years, we just kind of found each other and we're sitting out in a car. I feel like for hours, just like listening to music and playing each other songs that we liked and just talking about why we appreciated it and what it made us feel. And, um, just connected that way first and foremost. And a friendship turned into, uh, an opportunity to collaborate. Dave was in a, like a very successful local band and he was wanting to grow more in that direction. And I feel like the other members of that band might not have been ready to kind of take the leap in a way. And the way that we connected was very powerful. It was like, well, let's let's try and create something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys find that the things that initially drew you into one another and wanting to play music together, some of those same things or what kind of keeps the band together now? Yeah, unquestionably. Most yeah, certainly. it's actually deeper now, I would say. Yeah, what what do you guys kind of recognize as as the dynamic that is so special between the three of you that keeps you wanting to keep playing music together? I would say that you can't replace time. Like time is one of those things that is actually the further you get into life, you realize is the most sacred thing. And when you've invested so much time into other humans, there's a thing that happens when we get together after it doesn't even matter how long it's been that we've been apart as soon as we're in a room together and behind our instruments we start to speak music to each other <laughs> like language doesn't even really have to be involved and there's like an energy that manifests itself and presents itself and 
you just can't copy and paste that into another situation. It's not that you can't learn from your own creative pursuits and apply that in other contexts, but there's a density or a gravity and a depth that happens over time when you find a certain kind of creative chemistry. And I would say that success in the long run is when you find that chemistry with somebody, with a group, another individual, to just keep investing in it and let it mature and let it begin to compound. And there's no shortcut. Like when you really spend the time with something, like you really start to appreciate it more as you get further and further into it. I think too, um, the music that we connected um, with while we were just getting to know each other and the ideas that we were expressing, the creative ideas that we wanted to accomplish, those goals were really big immediately. Those songs that we were listening to, we weren't able to just like, I wasn't able to grab a guitar and play that song right after. It was teaching me something I didn't know yet how to adapt it and make it part of my own songwriting. So 15 years later, we're just now starting to write some of the songs. We're just now starting to have some of the creative moments and some of the opportunities and some of the accomplishments that we've wanted for 20 years at this point. Um, it's really cool to, I, I found a, um, a piece of paperback from like 2000, 2001 that was like me just daydreaming about what May was going to be like someday. And some of those things are being accomplished right now because of this album that we just right. put out last month, you know? And so to have those sort of goals, uh, those, those dreams written out as like this sort of mission statement, if anything's possible, then this is what we want to try to do. It take, it has taken a lot of time, like Jacob was saying, for that maturity to develop um, for that understanding, for that creativity to be so available amongst us that we can go in deeper and we can find ways to kind of write that song and to say that thing and to create that musical moment, um, that multi-sensory moment that uh, we've kind of dreamt about for a long time. So we still have plenty of things you know, yet to uh, be accomplished that are on our bucket list but are very achievable. And uh, that just comes with just being patient and kind of waiting for the season to arise. Yeah. Do you feel also like those are the types of things that inspires or influences you guys to, to get together after not putting a new record out for like a decade? This is like the first full length in, in nearly Absolutely. a decade, right? And yeah, the for multi sure. Sensory aesthetic experience, the, you know, the full length name of May mm-hmm. is kind of this. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's like almost like this reintroduction of like what this Most band is? Definitely. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's both a reintroduction and it's also a first introduction. Um, some people might have an understanding, an interpretation of, 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 of who May is. And that's great um, based on their own, you know, life's journey and us being a soundtrack to it. But we, we are continuing to to morph and change and, and develop and, and take steps backward to look at something a little bit more big picture to sort of re-identify where we sit within all of it. And, uh, and so this album has a whole lot to do with that. It's a whole lot of deconstruction and reconstruction. It's a whole lot of where we've been, but where we are now and where we would want to be moving forward. And a lot of who I was five years ago is nothing, you know, like who I am today and let alone 10 years, 15 years. And so, um, having opportunities to go, go in one more time, go, uh, go in again, maybe, and, and keep writing for May and and keep creating for May that, um, it's just wonderful because it, it gives us a chance to further the statement that we, Sometimes, no, we want to make. Sometimes we have to kind of wait and see, you know, what statement we want to make. Sometimes, you know, we don't have a statement to make at all, but we, you know, we'll come up with an instrumental piece that will make the statement for us. And so, um, you know, people might have called May an indie band or an emo band or, you know, a rock band or something years and years ago. And all those um, terms, if they apply, that's fine. But um, we're still 
inventing and reinventing ourselves. So this might be a, a reemergence or a, a reintroduction for a lot of people. Um, and I think when they hear our music, if they were to compare it, someone told me last night at the show, it's like, if I ever would have uh, heard your album today that just came out last, you know, in November and then play Destination Beautiful, I wouldn't expect that to be the same band. And I say, well, thank you, because we are continuing to evolve. Um, but again, like we said earlier, those songs from back then still have some serious weight for us, you know? And so uh, uh, a reintroduction and hopefully a, a first-time introduction, even if you've heard us before. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy because to be, to kind of grow up with with each other in the context in which we did. I mean, I joined the band when I was, um, you know, early 20s. We were all, he was one year younger than me. Jacob was one year older than me. Um, we grew up in our 20s on the road, having to write, um, play shows. All that, that experience in one sense was when we had together um, and growing together um, was a, a difficult thing. Uh, to kind of like maintain relationships and maintain creative productivity, all of these things uh, of that nature. But um, so now when we come back together, you have um, we're apart for most of the year, you know, for, and then we come back and we're working again together, you know. And so the foundation is so strong from which this kind of relation, these relationships were formed. But now we have these kind of gaps in communication where to kind of come back together it's like, okay, um, where are we? Where have you been? And how do we, how do we make that make sense now when we write music again? Um, so yeah, it's a, a conquering of time is one of, one of my favorite authors calls marriage a conquering of time and a band of, of this length as well as a, as a conquering of time. That's beautiful, man. I, I dig that. Um, let's get into a track off the new record. This is, uh, this is Five Light Years. It was better to start with something Together we'd play But then we both left off with something Oh uh -huh. 
I think it's uh, very clear from like the get-go of this new record, like once you get into Kaleidoscope, that this is going to be a whole new experience. But I, yes. think, I think the great thing about it, though, is it also offers like some familiar vibes of May of like the, you know, like the mathy guitar stuff and the, the hooky vocals, but just definitely gets a little more experimental. Yes. Um, was this a record that you, you self-recorded? Yes. And, and do you kind of feel like that, that opportunity kind of opens up the creative space in, in a way that's not usually there if there's a producer and maybe an engineer in the room? Yeah, m most definitely. Um, the, the May ideas take a, a while to, to flesh out. And uh, sometimes we'll go chase something for a while only to kind of scrap all of it, keep the essence of the thing, and try it all over again. And that was especially what we needed. Everybody came out to Nashville, uh, which is where I'm at and where my studio is. And so we would have these moments, Zach's in Virginia, Jacob's in New York. And we'd have these these long, like six, seven day windows where we'd record you know, every day working 10, 12 hours a day minimum. And uh, then we'd put it on hold or you know, we'd kind of reevaluate and have discussion and I'd stay in the studio and keep working when I could. And, um, I mean, this album took, uh, all in probably about a year to make. And, uh, a lot of that has to do with just like the amount of available time that we had. And some of it was just like really wanted to chase some ideas and, uh, kind of push boundaries that, that we could, um, in the studio, if we're going to call the album multi-sensory aesthetic experience, where will we give people an album that, is comfortable yet is pushing some boundaries for them and uh that was kind of a question that i kept asking as producer for the may album like how do we make sure that what we're saying we're doing we're doing you know and uh and connecting our words with with our music and um it was i mean it's my favorite thing i've ever been a part of creatively and uh uh the making the May album taught me so much. So um, these days I go back to the studio and I, I take a lot of the ideas that I learned through making the May album and sort of translate them over into other productions and, and take them steps further. But uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a rad record, man, especially for me, like that last section um, starting with like a race for autonomy yes. all the way out is like that's all my shit yeah <laughs> like, I'm super heavy into very that very cool and that's like when some of my like favorite lines come from like to forfeit is to win yeah like i think that's like such a cool line on, oh, on wow. that track dude wow. and, and there is no love and fear yes it's like another one of my favorites we're gonna and, play a race for autonomy tonight oh, so sweet, i'm really glad man. that you said that so we could play that for you yeah there's there's just a. Uh, just just grab a lot of lines and, and just a lot of different pieces it still has like all the rad instrumental breaks which i think has always been like such a cool part of this band and and not necessarily conforming to these three minute hook songs every time and yeah man i'm just in, enjoy this thing so much and it seems oh, like wow. such a cool collaboration between all of you and, yeah. and just to know that you like self-recorded it and kind of did all that i think is is very cool thank you and um yeah, it's just uh, it's it's one of those records that just kind of kept me guessing like awesome. the whole time, you know. <laughs> cool. And, and just has like so many different vibes to it, and uh -huh. I think it kind of captures a very cinematic thing sometimes. And, yes. and each song kind of tells its own story, but fits all all together. Thank you so much. That's yeah. uh, such a compliment. I'm super grateful to hear that. Right on. Well, I know you guys got to hit the stage here. Yeah, we're gonna play we for gotta, you now. We're gonna wrap this thing up. Yeah, man. Um, I appreciate the fuck out of getting to hang out. <laughs> like, it's it, it, honestly, it was so cool to like to get this opportunity. Like I said, just to see you 15 years ago and and being yeah, like a, awesome. a 19 year old kid, and now like <laughs> get to sit here as adults with you guys and and get to hang out with you before your show and get to know a little bit where these tunes come from. I'm sure we could talk for hours about this. I know we could. And it hurts my heart a little bit that we can't, but I'm so pumped for the opportunity. So I appreciate you guys' time very much. Um, and I encourage people to check out the entire May catalog. Lots of music to check out, but dive into the new record. Dive into the new record, Thank please. You. Gotta yeah. take it please. front to back. Give it the full listen. Yes. That's the full experience yes. with this record. Yes, sir. And um, we end every episode with the guest of the, the podcast saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. 
So if we could get the May, it's a program to to sail it out. We can we can uh, do this thing right. Program. It's a program. It's, it's a, a program. program. That's May, everybody. We're gonna play it out with uh, one of my favorite tracks off the record. It's called Simple Words, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. It's a program. It's a program.